older I get, the more I hate long drives. Like, I used to love a good road trip, but now it just sounds awful. It doesn't bother me too much if everybody will get out of the hotel on my time schedule and get in the car when I want them in the car and if they will not complain the whole time. Then it's completely fine. To me, that's the best long road trip ever where everybody does exactly what you want them to do and there's no other question to it. It's going to talk about randomness. That's up to you. It's your farewell episode. Or your farewell episode. Fair, fair, fair. Your swan song. Swans. When the swallows come back to Capistrano. Welcome back this week to Calvary Coffee. <laughs> hey, what's up, good buddies? I'm your new host. Charles <laughs> is leaving us. <laughs> I mean, I guess that could work. But do you really want to do that, though? That's not your thing. No, if I take over, it'll be different. You're just going to be like, hello, this is Travis, and here we go. <laughs> Here's a conversation <laughs> with the following person. <laughs> Hope you enjoy. <laughs> oh, I would listen to that just to hear you do that intro every day. It's like conversational time with Travis. Here's today's guests. Hello. How are you, guest? <laughs> You're not a fan of Parks and Rec, are you? <laughs> I am. I just, I don't want to pay money. You haven't seen the whole thing, though? Yeah, I don't want to pay money for the subscription for something that is just like The Office, but Parks and Rec. There's a uh, an episode or two that includes like a radio show and like one of the like DJs is just super dry. Like yeah. it's the most boring thing in the world to listen to. And yeah, that's going to be me. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> People are going to love it. You're going to be like, Mmm, Travis is there for a good mellow morning cup of coffee. I'm going to be in North Carolina listening to your podcast is what's going to happen. I'll let you know when slash if it airs. Hopefully sitting on the back deck going, mmm, this is a good cup of coffee. I don't know if this is actually going to make it into the show, but for those listening, I'm going to attempt to learn how to podcast. <laughs> Charles does all of the back end of the recording and the music editing so, and the posting. So, so did we already start? Was like your intro, the intro? Is that, are we? I mean, we can just start it there. <laughs> that seems like as good a place as any. <laughs> seems like huh? as good a place as any. That's true. That's true. So yeah, I'm going to try. All right. No promises. Come January, if there's no podcast, uh, I apologize. It just means that you, it just means that church members need to step up and take ownership. Yeah, if somebody wants to come like run this tech for me, I'll gladly show up and talk to people, but there also has to be people to talk to. So Yeah. So somebody needs somebody needs to come on board for this podcast and create the schedule. And then somebody else needs to come on board and help with the tech. And then just let Travis do Travis. I mean, I can monologue for like five minutes. <laughs> if you want it more than that. It's gonna be reading from a book. You can be reading from like a C.S. Lewis book. I read this okay. really interesting thing. <laughs> from Lewis that was written 50, no, 70 years ago. And this is how it applies to today. That might not be too bad. Well, I guess if we already started with your intro, then this is, <laughs> this is the farewell for me. So I guess it's probably more fitting that I don't do the, the welcome back this week type message. I mean, you can, if you want to just do one last I don't really know if that's necessary. Okay. Um, it, but I mean, when we started doing this, it was, it was trying to figure out how to even start this anyway. And I think that remember that first episode I did kind of just a random opener thing. And I was like, this sounds so dumb. <laughs> like I remember coming in here and recording it separately. And I was like, this is so fake and dumb and I hate it. Most of the podcasts we recorded like we got to the end of it and I just didn't know if it was worth putting out there, but we had good feedback on almost every yeah, episode. Most people have enjoyed them. The ones that actually are our dedicated followers and are listening to it. Like All some four go, of them. Yeah, four of them. And some people go back and re-listen to it. Like I think the one we did with your buddy Blake was actually one of our more listened to. So that means he actually has a fan base and we <laughs> we don't. He got a fan base in one episode. Yeah, he's got a fan base from one episode. We're, we're 20 whatever in. Us. 26 in and we don't have nothing. Um, but I'd say not too bad. I mean, if we did 26 episodes, that's almost like one every two weeks. I would think we started off trying to do one a week. And life. Life. 
just I had a baby, um, and then camp and mission trips camp, and VBS. Yeah, and, oh my gosh, yeah. it's just wild. But yeah, so this is kind of I guess a farewell for me, um, and we'll probably spend some time talking about that today, and then talking about just kind of things in general. Uh, but we do have a coffee today. So that's good. This is the same coffee we had last time. So we haven't changed anything in like two or three weeks. This is a Brazil. Um, it is roasted by Pine Curtain Coffee Company, which as of right now is still in existence, but we'll see what happens with it after that. By the time you listen to this, probably not. Probably not. But who knows? I may sell the whole thing off and let somebody else run it from there. But... Um, but it's it's not too bad. I think as it's cooling, it's a little bit better than when it's first warm. Yeah, I think we extracted this one better. Yeah, that one's it's, less earthy. It's less, yeah, still pretty earthy, but not like not like it was. Like it almost tasted like sod the first time we tried it. Yeah, there was like a certain like acidity to it that was a little mm-hmm. unpleasant, and I don't get that as much this time. But it's really smooth. Like it's a smoother kind of. It's not like super bright or it's not super bitter. Yeah. It's just kind of a good medium, well-bodied cup of coffee. It's got like a very uh, mild caramel aftertaste. Yeah, it's Folgers. We're just drinking Folgers, guys. We we lie to y'all <laughs> every episode. We are literally just We don't know what a, specialty coffee yeah, is. We just want to pretend like... <laughs> we're pumping out a Folgers Classic Roast from the Keurig every single episode. No, I'm just kidding. We really do have a Chemex in front of us. But <laughs> it would be kind of funny if this whole time for the coffee hour we're just sitting there going, oh, it's a, it's just Folgers. We were like subtly making fun of third wave baristas. Yeah. Like, I don't actually believe anything we said. I believe in moldy coffee. That's really the best coffee to drink. Yes. Um, China ships it back to us. That's, that's what I want. I want that Chinese coffee. Sorry, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> no one's going to, Apple's going to be like, nope, <laughs> that one's not going to air. <laughs> Sorry, Apple. Um, no, Apple's mad at them too. They're about to move all their manufacturing to India. Oh wow! So maybe that's they w- massive. That's a huge deal. So what's China going to do? Are they going to finally start a war now? <laughs> they need to. I mean, it gets it's gotten to a point where Americans nervous are, laughter. American companies are like, hey, we don't like the way that you're treating people, and we don't like paying people honestly fair wages. It and- wasn't even that. It was what's the company that does that? It's Foxconn or something like that. Mm-hmm. They actually like internally were protesting against their lockdowns. Oh wow! And because of their own protest, they stopped producing stuff. Oh, and that's why it's harder to get the iPhone 14. It's because they're literally like having a manufacturing shortage, and so that's it's crazy. nothing to do with like the actual Apple store. It's it's the manufacturing in China, and so they're looking into partnering well, with some Indian companies. But I think I read an article not too long back where China's getting hit with the virus again right supposedly yeah they're locking they're locking down (laughs) hard i love how you're like supposedly can't trust the communist (laughs) (laughs) now i really can't (laughs) we haven't got an episode banned yet charles but i don't i think that's because we're just not popular enough i think if we were popular but then spotify would just pick us up and be like we want you exclusively i don't know they got a lot of pushback when they hired rogan yeah but rogan got paid so he didn't care no yeah, but I don't know if they'd do it again. I mean, there's always there's always other platforms besides YouTube and Spotify. You can just Venmo, and not Venmo was it Vimeo? Vimeo. Vimeo. Yeah, you just do that one. Or if that doesn't work, then just go to like what is Locals? that? Locals. Yeah, no the the Daily. What's it called? Oh, the Daily Wire. Daily Wire. They'll put anything <laughs> in there. Hey Ben Shapiro. <laughs> They'll put. We're conservative. Let us talk. Anyone and anything on there as long as you are conservative. Um, which I mean, that's not bad. I think there has to be both sides of that spectrum. So I'm glad there is. I just don't watch enough TV anymore. I just don't care. I quit caring. So if anything has shown me in 2022, it's that I just quit caring about the world around me and I only began to care about myself. And that is why I... No, that's not true. Um, but yeah, so farewell episode. We we are kind of just kind of chatting a little bit today, but um, part of this episode is helping Travis figure out a little bit more of the podcast in. So the reality is uh, if you guys enjoy the podcast and you want to see it keep going, please, please, please uh, step up, step in and kind of help out. That's a big thing for churches to do anyway, I think. 
And so this is just an area in a ministry that needs that. On top of that, I think that whoever jumps in and does this could very easily also help come in and do broadcast ministry, which uh, Nathan desperately needs people to help in that area, uh, Nathan and Michael. So I think that there's a lot of overlap and similarities in it. And so if somebody would help do one area, there's a good chance you could probably jump right in and do the other area too. Don't so. scare them off. It's not scaring off. It's like take ownership of your your church. Don't just, don't just. I mean, or and then we'll sign you up for VBS. Yeah, and then or, we'll <laughs> sign you up for a mission trip, and then you're locked into teaching the, Sunday school the every only week. The other option is this: double yourself in size, give above and beyond just a tithe, and give a huge offering, increase the budget to two million dollars, and hire everything out. I mean, that's the American church model. That's the American church dream right there. Let's just hire a person for that. Um, but I think that, I think the reality though is there, there are areas within our church that if people could step up and help out, I think that it would flourish and then you would actually see people taking ownership of that. And I think that's uh, an interesting piece. So, so Travis, this is officially after today, really after this episode, this is your, this is your baby now. So what, uh, what are some thoughts that you want to talk about today? What are some, what are some questions you have? I'm, I'm your guest. You're interviewing me. So what's your What's your, uh, I just thought it'd be a good opportunity. Um, if you had anything to say to anybody, bye bye. No, just kidding. All right, folks, that's today's episode. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, but really, like, how are you doing? This is a huge transition. I'm terrible right now. You're terrible. Yeah, I'll be honest. And I think that that's when I talk with people, that's kind of the normal setup is they ask me, they say, man, are you scared about, like the church and all this other stuff and being senior pastor. No, like that part doesn't scare me at all. In fact, I could be anywhere in, in, in any setting And church work is church work. Like I, I don't see the job as being different. That's like saying, okay, I work as an accountant for this company and I'm going to go to this company that's very similar and I'm going to work as an accountant there. You understand that there might be a few things that you got to relearn or learn new, but the overall job is like the same. Love God, love people. Yeah, to me, pastoring is just that. Like, I'm just going to go to a new place and do the exact same thing I do here, which is just meet people where they are, love on them. Um, So the job itself doesn't scare me. But where I'm doing terrible is the fact that I have to leave my friends. Um, I have to leave a staff because I won't have a staff. Um, I have to leave a lot of the security that I built around myself and I have to go into an area where I won't feel... Like I won't, not, not security in terms of like physical security, but security in terms of like that, that emotional and mental security that all has to be rebuilt with people again. And so that's, that's kind of hard. And then just trying to get out of my house. <laughs> like that one, that one's been a fun adventure too. We have a great home here in Nacogdoches and, but because of the way the market works right now is it's just a little more difficult to get traction. Um, unless you are selling for like under 200,000 and it's completely remodeled, people jump all over that. Um, but our house, we've got it priced to where someone could come in and do the remodel and have a great home. And so, but it's just hard trying to get somebody to, to see that and to understand that. Um, we just never had the, we just never had the resources to do it the way we wanted to. Um, but you know, if we were going to be in Nacogdoches, our plan was to be in that house for the next 20 years, you know, raise our family there and, and they hopefully go off to college somewhere other than SFA and <laughs> <laughs> SFA is not bad. It's a good school. It's just want our kids to always be thinking outside the box. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so all of that. And so the terrible part is all of the, um, logistics that have to get taken care of. It, believe it or not, administratively, I, that is not my gifting. That is a uh, learned gift. It is not a natural gift. And so it's very daunting having to think through all of the stuff that has to happen and everything that has to be pulled together and everything that has to kind of be done. Um, and then in the process, still do your job. Take care of all the loose ends that you can take care of. And then I'll literally turn around January one and start just refocusing that towards another church. So I don't know. I, I guess that's where I'm doing kind of terrible, but at the same time, I'm excited. 
I, I, I could never have imagined pastoring in North Carolina or in a state like super far away. Like I could never have imagined that it's still like 16 hours from my family in Arkansas where now they're like six and a half hours mm. and it's, you know, it's 19 hours from Melina's family where it used to be like two hours. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I think there's like a, probably an older way of thinking where pastors never share their vulnerabilities. But I think that's one thing you do well of letting people know you are human too. Uh, just <laughs> nope. because you're a robot. I'm just a robot. Just because you're a pastor doesn't mean that you don't have normal fears and anxieties and deal with all of the headaches that everyone else deals with. And yeah, uh, so I commend you in that. But like I've told you before, if the Lord is actually leading you here, like, it's going to work out one way or another. And that doesn't mean there won't be headaches and there won't be struggles, but yeah, it'll all work out. And I know this new church is excited to have you since they've been without a pastor for a couple of years, right? Uh, yeah, about a little over a year and a half now. So, okay. and, and it's really, I had to be careful because they actually do listen to our podcast. They've gone on, they've gone online and listened to some of the podcasts. I'm like, Oh no. Um, <laughs> but we didn't it, know anybody actually listened, but you know, even with them, you know, we, we, as, as their team and myself and my family prayed together, you know, on our end, we know what they were praying for. I mean, they were really praying for somebody to come in and, and shepherd them and love them. They had very good, uh, honest conversations with us. Um, and then on the flip side of that, like as Melina and I were praying, we said, God, we just really needed this door. Like if you want us to go through this door, which you're already opening, like, okay, just make it wider. Like, let us, let us really know. And so he made it wider and they're like, well, that's not fair. Um, okay, Lord, make it even wider. Like I need it to be as uh, a, a little bit wider now. So I know for sure. And then that door opened up and I was like, oh, okay, um, Lord, I need a garage door. Like I need to, <laughs> I need something so big that you can't. Under and sure enough, like just through conversation with them and meeting with them. And, um, I flew out there in November, um, where I took a Thursday off. And I, I scheduled a flight out there with them cause we were trying to make sure that I didn't do anything that would step on toes of anything here. And, um, in meeting with them, I mean, they were just so like, they showed me everything. They drove me around on their bus and I got to see all of like the County and the community and where it's growing and where they anticipate growth. Um, I got to eat some really good food. They were even so sweet. They made these Texas meatballs for me is what they called them. And they said, we made meatballs, but we know that people from Texas, like really, it's really spicy. <laughs> and I'm not, I, I personally don't like things super spicy. Like I just like things to be flavorful and nice. And so she's like, so I took, I put a ton of hot sauce in here. So I hope that they're good. Uh, and the search <laughs> team was so sweet. Like they're struggling to try to get through these meatballs a little bit like, Oh, that's hot. And I was like, I mean, it's kind of warm. <laughs> so, that's funny. So they were super sweet. Um, they're going to make spicy food for you all the time are. now. I think they it was are. David Platt. I think it was Platt. Some semi-famous pastor told a story. It was with his then girlfriend, but who became his wife. Yeah. First time he met her parents, they cooked seafood, and he hated seafood. The shrimp or crab, I don't remember what it was specifically, but some sort of seafood. But because he was trying to impress the parents, he was like, oh, I love it. It's my favorite. And then for like 10 years, they cooked seafood every time they were together. <laughs> And eventually he was like, I'm sorry, I'm like choking this down. So yeah, I don't really, let that be the case. Yeah. No. They, they, so it's interesting because, you know, the Carolinas, one of the things that we kind of talked about a lot was they're like, you know, what do you know about? They'd say like, what do you know about North Carolina? Um, I said, I know there's cheer wine, which is like a, a soda up yeah. there. And they're like, okay. I said, I know that Lance crackers are from there. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I said, supposedly there's something like liver mush and, and something else. And I'm like, okay. I said, then there's this Piedmont stuff. And they're like, okay, well, what do you know about Eastern North Carolina? Is what like, they're saying. I was like, the Wikipedia page on North yeah, Carolina. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, I know that you guys do whole hog barbecue and you do pork barbecue. And they're like, yes, we do that. And there's two different sauces, which is very interesting. Like in Texas, you have one sauce. Um, but in North Carolina, there's two sauces. Western North Carolina is a little bit sweeter. I, I think it's a little more like ketchup based and sweeter. Eastern North Carolina is vinegar based, hmm. but it's all pork. 
Um, so I told him, I said, look, I'm, I grew up in Arkansas. I'm used to a pulled pork sandwich with a sweet Memphis sauce and slaw on top. And that's what you eat. And they're like, okay, <laughs> close. And I was like, <laughs> okay, and good. Done. Good. We'll be fine. So my goal is though, to introduce them to Texas barbecue and then convert them and then be an all-star in their mind through that process. But nice. Uh, but I don't know. You taking your happen. smoker? Well, no, because there's no really, I mean, I've had it for so many years and the way that I smoke barbecue right now, I could just either buy an offset smoker up there eventually or just find somebody's cheap Weber that they never use and just buy it for like 50 bucks and then just do the same thing. So I don't know. I mean, we're going to right now though, getting a brisket up there is ridiculous. Like you're going to spend 80 bucks um, where here I can just wait for the Kroger sale ad and then just buy one. From <laughs> so it's a little bit different there, but they do pulled pork and, you know, you can do a Texas style pulled pork for them. So that'd be good. But they do, there's a lot of groups out there that do whole hog. And that's super interesting. Mm. Like they have huge pits and you cook this massive pig that you slice wide open, spread them out over fire. And then it takes like six people to flip this thing over and do that all over again. And I was like, wow. Yeah, I just started watching a documentary called, I think it's just called Cooked with Michael Pollan, uh-huh. like a New York Times bestselling yeah. artist. And he wrote a book on the history of cooking. Yeah. And fire and barbecue is kind of one of the oldest ways of prepping meat. And so, oh, yeah. I yeah. think they were in South Carolina, not North Carolina, but he showed them doing like the whole hog and it's crazy. Yeah. It, Carolina, Carolina barbecue is, is, they take their pride in it. I mean, it's a big deal. Um, Isn't so, South Carolina like more known for it though? I don't really know. Okay. I wish that. I mean, I'm, I hadn't been there yet. Uh, sure. <laughs> I haven't been there long enough. I just know that they've got an East and a West barbecue. And so, and, and there is a very clear divide there. Um, so where Texas, Texas barbecue is pretty much the same across the state for the most part. I'm sure there's some variances as you get to like West Texas and, and Central Texas and all that, but. So, you know, there's some of those differences, some of those cultural differences that I say cultural, it's America, but um, just some of those little nuances that you'll be like, okay, this will be something to get adjusted to. Um, But like (laughs) where we're going to be at, it's more coastal plains. So it's not really like right on the coast. It's pretty close. I mean, we're, we're not, but a hop, skip and a jump from the actual Atlantic ocean to get there is a bit of a drive because you have to go down and then over. Um, but there's just, there's so much culture within that area because you've got a lot of people from various parts of the world that work in Virginia and then they live in that area. And so it's, it's a pretty neat, it's a pretty neat setup. Um, a lot of military, uh, families there. So that's kind of a fun one. That'll be a new one for me. I'm just not used to that. Very transitional through the church. Yeah, I mean, you might have somebody there for two to four years, and then they they're deployed or they're they're uh, stationed somewhere else. Uh, in fact, there's one there's one couple there that they they were telling me that their their position right now they think is pretty temporary. I'm like, well, how can we make it more permanent? Because I like you guys and I'd like to keep y'all around. <laughs> you know, I don't want <laughs> I don't want to lose y'all after like six months of being here because then that would be miserable. And so, but. You know, that's the neat thing too, though, is being there. We're here, we can get somebody in and we can maybe say, hey, let's let's get about six months down the road and then let's see what happens, see if you're connected. There, you can't guarantee that that person's going to be there in six months. So you have to almost say, okay, you know, tell me what, tell me where you're gifted, tell me what's going on, how do you want to serve and get plugged in? So it's just a little bit different dynamic, I think, on that end. Um, but the people seem real receptive to that too. And the church has really been around that. One of the couples that's only been there about six months now, um, they're already involved in their choir and kids ministry, social media accounts, you know, trying to help their communications team and get all that together. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Like they just jumped right in with both feet and, and went after it. So, so I think that's an interesting thing too, is a lot of the things that I do here, they've already got a lot of that covered through the people of their church. So it's just me coming alongside and helping them think in different directions. Um, but, but it's been good. Um, like this week I had a chat with the former, 
pastor out there, uh, Reverend Charles Stanley. They say Reverend out there a lot. I'm not used to that. <laughs> Reverend really, Record. Reverend. Yeah, they go Reverend Charles Record. I'm like, whoa. Just call me Charles. They're like, oh, we can't do that. I'm like, yes, <laughs> please do that. Like, it's gonna drive me nuts if you call me Reverend. Um, but the former pastor that they had, uh, Reverend Charles Stevens, um, he lives like two doors down from the church. And he called me and we had a great conversation, like 40 minutes of him just being super encouraging, telling me cool stories. And uh, he's already like, man, I'll show you every hospital. I'll show you this and this. And and he made it a point when he retired. He doesn't come to the church. He lives two doors down from the church. Doesn't come to church there on Sundays. In fact, they drive to Chesapeake, Virginia every single Sunday for church. Oh, and wow. so, um, And they go to a, a good church that's up there. And so, um, but he's an amazing resource that's sitting right there. Of course, and then Paul, Brother Paul's already told me, he's like, man, just a phone call away. I'm like, good, because I'm going to screw up a bunch. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, okay, Paul, help me figure this out. So I think that's kind of the, to me, that's kind of the neat part is I've got a lot of great older mentor pastors that are good at just kind of giving me some pointers and helping me out. And it's a big plunge. I mean, you think yep. about it, it's, I'm, I'm 38. You know, um, and I've been doing ministry since I was in like a freshman in college, you know, in some form or fashion, whether it's part time or full time. And to get to this point where God's leading me to lead a church forward, it's kind of nerve wracking. Um, the work, yeah, again, the work is the same, but that responsibility. Have you decided what you're going to start preaching wise? Oh my gosh, no. Um, so I've got to call actually one of the church members today. Um, but I, my first service, my first service there will be the 15th. And then the next Sunday is their Baptist men's day. So all the men fill the choir loft and like, it's like a, a service where the men take ownership and do, and mm. they normally have a guest speaker come in and preach. And so, uh, or, or speak and give testimony. And so I don't know if they want to do that or not. I may just be like a more dumbed down message or like a one-off type thing. So I haven't really been able yet to develop like a series, which is kind of good because I can, for the 15th, I'll just kind of elaborate a little bit more on kind of where the church can go over the next year, 22nd, if it's kind of a one-off, just make that kind of where it's at. But then my wife told me very specifically, the only thing she doesn't want me to start off with is Ephesians. Um, and I was like, well, why? She goes, because we, we got burned out on a church that we were at where the whole time we were there for like a year and a half, we were in the book of Ephesians. And she was like, I'm just got so tired of hearing about <laughs> Ephesians every week. And I was like, I get that. It's a great book, but it's also one that a lot of people, well, let, they just go to it. Let me ask you this. Like, so you've done John with yeah. the youth ministry. I spent way too much time there, but yes. But, but at the same time, you didn't. Like, so it was over a year. Yeah. And I haven't even been here too. So it's like half my time here. We were in one book. I mean, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it because it was, it's really nice to go slow and just take your time with every verse and explain things well and show how every story, every parable healing None of it's on accident. It's not this like one-off story. It's all connected. And I think when you're used to more topical preaching, you don't necessarily get that because you think of them as like isolated stories. Uh-huh. Um, so I tried to do some more topical or at least jumping around stuff when I finished that. But starting in January in the youth room, we're going to start Genesis. And okay. my plan was to do it quicker than I did, John. But then I started looking at the text and I was like, okay, week one. We're doing Genesis 1, week 2, Genesis 2, week 3, Genesis 3. I got to go faster than that, but at least the first three weeks are going to be a chapter a week. Yeah. So, but but like with that, it's going to be weird like buzzing this. It's probably fine. Um, it's getting crazier. Do you hear it? Um, you don't hear it. I don't, you don't have, have the headphones, headphones on. on. No. So I'm getting this like, it's like a ticker take. It's kind of funny. Anyway, um, that's my only thing. Like I've been wondering about how I don't know where that's come from. It's annoying. I'm so ADHD. Take, take your headphones off. Yeah, like it's I'm okay. so AD, but I don't know if it's recording it. That's the only downside. Well, what are we gonna do? Stop and find out. 
I don't. I don't think it's recording yet. Okay, just take your headphones off. Let's finish the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you were asking about teaching. Yeah, because when I look at teaching, when I think about the teaching aspect of it and the teaching part of it, um, I'm trying to think. I'm like, do I really need to go like spend verse by verse by verse by verse by verse, or spend time reviewing the context and going over the key themes and the key ideas? that are contained within that because I don't really feel like I know that in expository preaching and, and exegetical teaching, but really expository preaching, those guys are like, Oh, you got to hit every single thing. I'm like, but do you, or can you just kind of really preach through and say, okay, with like the, we're not going to hit these first 10 verses before this, but let me give you kind of the overall theme, go back and read that and look through it. But here's the kind of the overall context of where we're coming from coming into this. I mean, is that something that is, I mean, I think there's, there's valid points to both sides. I grew to love expository preaching when we were in Kansas City. Part of the reason I did the book of John was because we went through the book of John while I was there, and I heard our three pastors there in Kansas City, two of which were working on their PhDs in systematic theology, just go every single verse yeah. through the whole book. And one of the things that I think like, I do think there's a time and place for really broad, like, let's hit the, the most important doctrines. Like, what is essential to believe? Mm -hmm. It's hard to do an expository message, like, on the Trinity. Right. But the the pro side for doing expository preaching, in my mind, especially with youth, but this applies to anybody who's not super familiar with Scripture, is that it also almost subconsciously teaches people how to read the Bible and connect things. Yeah. Because I feel like the way the church normally does topical stuff, it's so scattered. And we see this like in the, the Barna research and stuff that shows even the church is very illiterate when it comes to the Bible. Right. And I think the more you can do expository type teaching, the more you can, teach the whole of scripture yes it takes longer but it teaches people how to do that reading but on that do you think that you need to go five years to the book of romans or do you think that you can get that knocked out in like six months you could go either way yeah i i think if you're going anything longer than a year the danger that you run into is you're neglecting other doctrines and important passages yeah but if you said you were going to teach the book of Romans in a month, yeah, I don't think you, you could do that. You skipped 80% of the content. Right. I don't think you could do that. So, but that's just like that idea though, because you got a lot of in place for both. Yeah. Cause you got a lot of pastors that well, I'm going to, I'm going to teach this. I'm going to go word by word, like not even verse by verse. It's just like that. We're only going to focus on the Greek word of, of the first Greek word of verse one, chapter one today. It's like, I don't, no, if that, I mean, I, I kind of want to get the overall theme of what, like I could do four weeks just on four or five weeks on the Sermon on the Mount and just the cool things oh, that yeah. are kind of all contained in there. For sure. So like in going through the gospels, I know that there's parts of that that are going to be important when it goes through like when, when the gospel, when he takes a lot of those chunks and they're kind of all together of like maybe different parables or maybe different healings and things like that. I think on those, you maybe focus on that one centralized theme of what's the importance of what's going on here you highlight a lot of those things, but you don't necessarily have to expound upon every single healing and every single miracle that is going on. Unless it's like a key, like you said, doctrinal thing or key essential thing. And so I think that's one of the, one of the things I've always wondered about in expository preaching, because I used to be in the camp of, okay, I'm going to verse by verse. We're going to hit every single verse. We're going to talk about every single verse. And as I've gotten older, I realize that my years are shorter <laughs> and I don't know if I want to, if, if I was sitting there listening to a pastor, I don't know if I want to hear them drone on and on, you know, and spend like six weeks trying to cover 10 verses. You know, I think that I would, I would rather say, Hey, let's cover these like 10 to 12 verses in one week. And you encourage me to go back and read some of that knowing kind of the key themes and key points that week I can go back and go, Oh wow. That's what we, that's what that means. And then read ahead into the next week and go, whoa, we're going to be talking about this the next week. 
Well, when I said we went verse by verse, both here, what I did with the youth and the teaching that I got in Kansas City, we would cover at least half a chapter, if not a whole chapter, and sometimes even two chapters in any given Wednesday yeah. or Sunday. And so I'm not saying your because whole some sermon of those are has inter- to be a verse. But some of those are interconnected. Oh, absolutely. Like you may not focus on every verse. Well, we forget that the numbers were all added later. Yeah. Like the chapters and verses aren't in the actual original text. That's why I'm telling you. Reading Bibles are the coolest things because you don't have to worry about that stuff and you can just read it as it is. Yes. But anyway. <laughs> That's a side hole. Uh, rabbit. Yeah. Yeah, side, just side hole. Side hole, side track, <laughs> side, rabbit hole. Side hole, saddle, rabbit. Oh, let me drink some more coffee to wake mm, up. Rabbit monkey. Um, and so, but I think that that's an interesting piece of it is how you really just can look at the thematic context of what's going on there and see the common themes. And I mean, when you read commentaries and even when you look at in your Bible, a lot of your reference Bibles are already going to break that up and to say, hey, this is what this section is. But I've known pastors that spend so much time droning over like the minute details of one section and i don't know if it's a desire to be portrayed as smarter than you are i don't know if it's a desire to be like look at how smart i am and i can figure this out like i don't i think you can tell by the people's reaction if you're going too slow because if you are droning they're going to look bored out of their minds yeah and if you're covering enough ground to where it's interesting like you'll know it in the people's face yeah um, because I think that's been my biggest struggle with trying to figure out where do I start. Because it's like, okay, I don't want to pick a book that's going to take like a year and a half to cover. I also don't want to pick a book that I'll be done in four weeks and going, okay, now what do we do? You know. <laughs> um, and then you got to think about all the one-off stuff. Like, once you get there, have a couple different messages by the 29th of January. I'm already thinking, okay, I've got February. In March, I'm in Easter. So how am I? How am I bringing messages to prepare for, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection? You know, the whole Good Friday and Easter coming up into Lent and all that stuff. And then after that, you're kind of turning around and preparing through the summer. And usually that's when churches see their biggest drop off of people because they're actively doing other things. All right. Well, how do we kind of work through that? And then you come back through school. And once you get into the fall, you're focusing kind of on Advent, kind of coming into that. And you're like, wow. So it's it's kind of hard to just kind of, I mean, you're only talking like 52 times a year. Yeah. 48 if you take some time off. I don't know if you were actually asking, but just given that sort of time frame, if I were you, the way I think I would spin it was pick some shorter book. Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians. Not Ephesians. <laughs> I'll respect Molina's wishes. Um you know, or even one of the Thessalonians, one of the Timothys. One, one of the Timothys. Uh, pick one of those shorter letters. Do that for the first four to six weeks while you're there. Then, you know, lead up to Easter. Post-Easter, do another short book. Then do something Old Testament in the summer. Yeah. And then take the fall to do longer New Testament. And then stop around Thanksgiving, switch to Advent, and then you got your Christmas stuff. Yeah. Bam, I just planned your whole first year. Man, look at that. I don't have to worry about nothing. No, I'm all good. <laughs> so maybe you should go up there and I'll stay here. No, I'm just kidding. Nope. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I mean, that's been one of the things that I've kind of struggled through is trying to figure out, okay, well, where do I where do I start? And I think for me, the desire is more of I don't want to start somewhere in order to sound like I'm smarter than I am. Uh, uh, which I, oh, sorry, I'm yawning which I think is a big, big thing. Like I've known a lot of, of pastors that their desire is just to show how smart they are. I don't want to do that because I don't feel like I'm that smart. So it's one of those, like you can want to set the bar too. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to show off what you don't have. You know, it's like saying I got wads of cash. Where is it? Well, it's not with me. Like I got it at home. Well, then do you have it? You know? Um, so I think there's that, that in me where I just, I just want to figure out like, how can I practically, share with people and lead them and shepherd them all at the same time and it not come across as me being a a quote-unquote tool (laughs) but actually just loving people and being concerned with their spiritual growth and so 
I think that'll be an interesting one for me to try to figure out because I've never had to do that. I mean, I, I'm, I say that I did it when I was doing youth, but that was like six years ago. So it's trying. It's also to, different when you're teaching to one age demographic versus an entire congregation. Yeah, it was easier then I think because that's all I had to focus my energy on. Um, where in this position here, I did not get to focus my energy on that. Like it was always being pulled. Um, and so there, it'll just be that intentional timing of, and that's the thing they've asked me recently. They said, well, what kind of schedule do you want to keep for your office hours? I'm like, Oh, I honestly haven't thought about that. Like I, <laughs> I, get to I just thought I was just going to show up and do the thing, but because visitation of people can I mean, you could be in your office one day and then that afternoon you could be in hospitals in Virginia. You could be, you know, all over the place. Uh, I think one of the pastors, he spent two days in the office, but three days just traveling around visiting people. Um, and it just, the thought of that, I was like, man. It's just, a lot of visitation. Yeah, working around on the road. And, Especially considering you're the only staff at the church. Yeah, but he, and he even exclaimed, he said it was necessary because the church needed it at that time. I mean, they may not need it as much now, or there may be a way to empower certain people. Like if a deacon's already working in Virginia, like, hey, before you head home, stop by this hospital and check on so-and-so. Let me know how they're doing. If I need to go up there and double check on them again, you know. Um, and that's where it's like, that's where Paul and I are, have been different. You know, Paul is, Paul is like, man, if you break your toe, I want to be there. Like, I want to be there to love on you. And I'm like, if you break your toe, like, let me know. I'll pray for you over the phone. <laughs> but, you know, if you if you lose your toe, maybe. Like, I'll show up if you want me to, you know. Um, and so I think that that's kind of an interesting piece that I've learned that from him, that in visiting people, you're just showing them how you love them and how you want to take care of them. Um, but then I think, too, he's learned from us. Like, when he asks us questions, like, well, if you were visiting a church, wouldn't you want the pastor to come out to your house and say hi? I'm like, no, 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 I wouldn't. No, because I have four kids that are probably running around with no pants on. And then my house is a disaster because they've thrown food everywhere. And then you're going to walk in and go, Oh, you're a CPS case just waiting to happen. And so I think it's, I think it's that dynamic too, that, that people understand not every situation is the same and, and we have to step back and go, okay. But, uh, that's why I usually, I'm yawning. I've been tired the past several days. It's because I'm staying up late roasting coffee and packing boxes. But um, anyways, it's just different dynamics, I think, that people want in their life. I think younger millennials and Gen Z, they don't need a visit. The mere fact that a Well, past, they don't expect it. Yeah, I it's, think, I think it's, it's just the mere fact that someone's willing to reach out to you. Yeah. It's like, wow, I'm worth that. You know, uh, that means a lot to them. You meet with them for lunch or coffee and they're like, oh, wow, this is, well, thank you, you know. Um, but I don't know if they expect you to be at their bedside so much. But then you've got boomers. They need that. You yeah. know, that's important to them. And so you have to just balance a lot of those things out. Um, yeah, it's just a huge cultural shift. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to start. But I think that's every job ever. You sit down on that first day, you sit behind your desk and go, okay, what do I do? What do I do now? Yeah. And we'll figure that out as we get there. But what about you? What are you going to do when I'm gone? I'm party? Ta I'm take over your job. Take over my job. <laughs> are you just going to party hardy, huh? Uh, I mean, as far as I know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm sure there will be new responsibilities and things, but like I said, taking the youth through Genesis <laughs> and we got winter retreat coming up and planning mission trips and summer camp. And I see you got a big schedule coming up. Life goes on. Yeah. Also starting schedule. grad school. Oh, that's right. You're starting grad school again. Yeah. Have they given you a bunch of hours that they're already kind of taken off? Yeah. They counted all of the, so for those that don't know, I'm starting a master's in counseling and I'm doing it through B.H. Carroll Theological Institute because they're one of the only Christian schools left that has a licensed counseling degree. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
they also require like an additional 16 theology course hours and they're counting 14 of them from my classes at Midwestern and I'm trying to get the last two covered as well. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see if they cover it or not. That one's a little bit of a stretch, but uh, if not, I'll have to do a class on Christian disciplines, which I love spiritual disciplines, so it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I just don't want to pay the thousand dollars for something I would read for fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll be starting counseling courses on top of all of my other responsibilities and trips and maybe parts of your job like the podcast. Maybe. At least the podcast. We know that much. Yeah. But well, that'd be good though. I mean, I, I think that's where your heart is. And so I think that that'll be a good thing. And to me, counseling is one of those things people look at it and they go, oh, you go to counseling. And sometimes it can be a weird taboo. But the reality is, is Christian counseling is just practical ministry is really what it is. I mean, you're just you're sitting one-on-one helping people work through different processes in their life. I think the beauty of having state licensed Christian counselors is you can give perspectives to people who may not normally seek you out for a Christian perspective, but you can use what people would call secular counseling methods, uh, which are really just things that God has ingrained in all of us. Um, You can use cognitive behavioral therapy to help people work through different situations in their life with the foundational basis of Jesus. And so that's, to me, I, I love the thought process. I think it's a great idea. And then you and your wife can be like the next lesson, Leslie Parrott of like the counseling world. Yeah, that's the plan. We're going to write a million yeah, books. Write a million books. Do your own speaking and cute, funny videos all the time. And... No, but I think you're spot on. I think I see working with the youth a lot. There's an openness to mental health issues that previous generations haven't had. There's mm-hmm. not the stigma around it like there used to be or there is for older people. But there's also a sense in which I think older generations would go to their pastor for yeah. counsel. Yeah. Even if that looks different than counseling. But the younger generation, they don't think of a pastor in that role. Yeah. They kind of want you to tell them about Jesus and reassure them of whatever they're going through. But they also still like want to have their therapist is a whole separate yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah. And uh I, I agree with what you were saying about, you know, you can use cognitive behavioral therapy and use the foundation of it being scripture. Yeah. So and there's obviously more to it than that. But um yeah. I don't know. I like teaching and I don't plan on quitting ministry, so don't don't read that into what I said. They all do. Um Travis yeah. is leaving too. I'm not <laughs> that's not what's happening. Um, but I just see the need for counselors who love Jesus. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I like psychology. It was part of my undergrad. I would look at Felicia's counseling books for fun. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's more up my alley and personality temperament than being a preacher. So it's kind of what I'm pursuing in the moment. But Well, well, I think the interesting thing too is that just means that it just means that the church has a staff that are going to be learners. They're not just going to sit back and go, well, this is what it is. And like, I'm, for me, I've, I've pushed doctoral work off for like four years now just because of life. And But if I were to go back and do doctoral work, it's not going to be like, oh, let me get a doctorate in preaching. Let me get a doctorate in theology. Let me get a doctorate. In and it's not that those things are bad. There's a necessity for those things, but that's just not where my brain works. Um but I would rather get a doctorate in in leadership in some way because I feel like for most pastors, their failures are not in their words that they say on Sunday morning. Their failures are in their actions Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday or how they lead their people. A lot of great preachers out there that can't lead people. And so I think that for me, leadership is a bigger component of church work, especially for pastors than anything else. Being able to create vision and, and mission and strategy and strategic planning and and seeing a future and helping the church get to that future how they how they want to do that and i think that's the hard part about being in pastoral ministry is you're never really kind of rooted and permanent in one place you're always you're always kind of transient because your goal is to help that church that you're serving move forward and you always have to get to a point to say okay i've i've done the best that i can to this point 
now it's time for somebody else to take the reins and move in a different direction. I think in my job, I've done the best that I can up to this point. I think for for a couple of years now, I've noticed, okay, we've hit a wall and it may be me. You know, the wall may be that I have either run out of ideas or I have felt like I've exhausted what I know to that point or that to go even further might hurt the church more than help it. And I think you have to always step back and go, okay, what are those? And it could be a possibility that there's a little bit of everything in there. And I do believe that there was a point where I thought if I try to go any further, there's a chance that I could hurt the church more than help it. I don't want to do that. Um, And so the good news is when you start somewhere new, a lot of times the, what you've already done, they need. And so you can kind of come back to what you've known can work and then you can kind of help them move in that direction. So, but anyways, lovingly leading people, um, and then helping them move in that process. And I think it's the same thing. Leadership to me is probably one of the bigger components of pastoral ministry. A lot of guys fail at that. Like they just completely drop the ball on it. And I don't want to be that guy. Like I, I, I might not be the most eloquent speaker, but I want it to at least people be able to go, yeah, but the dude knows how to lead people forward. Um, And that's, to me, more important. So, but I'm happy for you. I think you're going to like it. I mean, we've, we've had a long conversation about you doing counseling, and I think that it's a good, I think it's a good kind of move forward because to me, I wish, I wish, more counseling or therapeutic type things were required for guys who are going to do more active ministry. Yeah. Especially in seminaries. Uh, I don't feel like, I feel like that and administration are the two things that they really should focus more on um, or at least add more hours to a program for that because yeah. those are generally the areas where guys fall more than anything else. Like, I remember at the seminary looking at the church administration course and thinking like, this is a waste of time. I don't want to, read about this <laughs> and then I went and spent two years in the banking world and I was like this was yeah like I wish I had learned more about this oh, like, yeah. it's so applicable oh yeah um, you know whether it's budget planning or you know whatever but um, yeah I definitely think there's a lot of people that they know how to study the Bible and they know how to communicate it well but they can't run a budget to save their life or yeah like you were saying um Obviously, I'm not going to share any details, but I remember my first three months here, I had three different situations pertaining to kids and mental health, and I just remember thinking, like, I was not trained at all for this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we handled it well, I think, but um, I know Brother Paul has a rule that if he meets with somebody, I think it's three times, and they're still not kind of getting the help they need, then he pushes them to a professional licensed yeah. counselor. Yeah. And while I think that's a great rule, I know because my wife works at Crossover that at one point they had 200 people on their wait list. Yeah. And so I think if a church could have someone on staff that is a trained therapist, uh, but, you know, still biblically solid, mm-hmm. that would be a huge asset to the church. So yeah, that's kind of my hope. Yeah. But, and I think that's a big help. And, you know, yeah. To me, the administration stuff, that's stuff that a lot of times you can learn on the go and you can learn on the fly. Um, but I, I think that there are just a lot of things in there. You're never going to have the most well-rounded pastor. There's always going to be a fault somewhere in there. Like There's always going to be something that they miss, and, and that's okay. You can't expect every person to be perfect all the time. And um, But yeah, but I think that there's going to be some good things that I think there's going to be some good things that come out here. I think that you're going to see a lot of people step up and do things that they normally don't do, uh, which I'm excited about. I'm excited for you and Nathan. I think that y'all are going to have some some cool ministry moving forward. Um, I'm excited for Paul. I think that he is, I definitely think that in the back of his mind, there is a horizon that he's looking towards and he's wanting to lead the church in that direction. Um, And so just having the people behind him to kind of help him do that I think it's going to be good. Um, so, you know, for me, it's kind of bittersweet. Everybody's been asking. They're like, well, are you excited? I'm like, yes and no. 
only because yes i'm really excited because I, I love the people up at, at providence right now i mean they not not just right now but other people up at providence like they've been real sweet and they're kind they've been very supportive um it's bittersweet in that a lot of i mean we grew up here melina and i did our family started here our friends are here and so it's hard leaving a lot of that behind but we know that we know that that can be established again that that we can have friendships again that we can get to know more people again and um it's gonna take some uh, some adjusting um but i'll tell you what man when we went and visited we went to the beach one day it was dreary it was cool and dreary and wet uh, but i told me i promised that i'd show her the atlantic so we stopped off at a public beach she walked up over the dune went down saw the atlantic spent about you know two or three minutes just by herself out there there was nobody else out there there's some guys surfing on the other side but you know just no one else out there and she was like wow so we got all the kids out let them go explore it and you couldn't get henry off the beach i mean he actually we were like okay henry it's time to go he's like no he starts running down the beach we're like stop like i can't we cannot just chase after you right now but he didn't want to he didn't want to go and so um it's going to be interesting just for my kids to to see a different place and to see a different way that ministry's done um they've only known calvary has been their only church yeah um, where by this time, most kids have been like three or four churches, you know, because pastors only last about two years and they're moving on. Um, so anyway, praying for a good long tenure, praying I don't upset them and they kick me out. <laughs> um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. It'll either be good or bad. One or the other. Yeah. We are, we've been telling a lot of our friends, we're like, listen, if it doesn't work out, like we're tucking tail and we're coming back and living <laughs> in your backyard. So. <laughs> They're like, come on, it'd be great. I'm like, no, it won't. Don't lie to me, you liars. <laughs> Don't be heathens. So. Park a tiny house in the driveway. Yeah, but I think it's going to work out good. I mean, God's in it, and uh, he's opened every door so far. Um, like I said, the only hurdle we have is just getting our house sold, and it stinks that it's in a bad a bad time of the year. The, the Fed rate for mortgages hasn't helped me any on that either. Um, and there's just not a ton of people moving into Nacogdoches looking for a home from 1968. So, but we'll do what we got to do and we'll make it happen however we can. So we'll keep praying. It works out. And yeah, I man. think it's also bittersweet for a lot of us here. Um, I mean, you know that you've helped me in a thousand different ways and, uh, you know, the coffee and bonding over punk music and all that's been fun. But, uh, <laughs> You know, we're excited for you. And Thanks, man. Yeah, I guess this wraps up season one. Of season one? <laughs> season one of the podcast. We got 26 started. episodes, season two, not? starting once Charles leaves. If I can figure out the tech. Whatever, just hit play and you'll be fine. So, Well, guys, this is my last one. So um, thank you so much. And there is plans. I, I've already communicated to the church that I'll probably have something on their end. Uh, once we get up there, but not even really sure what that looks like yet, because again, it's just me being a lone wolf. Um, so I may have to ask former pastors to come in and be like, Hey, I just need to converse with someone and I'm going to record the whole process. And they're gonna be like, that sounds like a dumb idea, but, uh, we'll see. So, but, um, thank you guys for tuning in, listening to all of our comments over the past year. And Travis will hopefully be back in January with some more of those comments and he'll get some more people involved. I would say, as I always do, uh, talk to Nathan, make him get in here, make him, make him be a part of this. He's a natural. He just doesn't believe he's a natural. So, um, but anyways, so Travis, this is yours. I'm gonna let you sign it off however you want to. Can I pray for you? Of course. Okay. All right. Father, just thank you, uh, for Charles and the 12 years of ministry, 12 plus years that he's done here as well as Molina. Uh, we just thank you for their family and the impact they've had for your kingdom in this place. And we trust you with all of the logistics of moving vehicles and selling houses and just ask that you be with them and give them peace even in stressful moments. Um, and we trust that your hand is in this move. Um, I ask for your your leadership and your guidance from the Holy Spirit as he shepherds this new congregation. Um and we also ask for your hand here as things just change and are different and responsibilities shift, potential new staff is hired. 
whatever other changes happen. Um, even though we don't know what all that will look like, we just trust you. Uh, and when we don't, we ask for your help in trusting you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Catch you all next year, maybe. Ha <laughs> ha